Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Motocross Training Podcast. Joel Youngkins here, and in today's episode, we are going to talk about training for hard enduro. Uh, so for this episode, we are going to cover a specific topic, a specific discipline, um, you know, as far as dirt bike racing goes, and we call that hard enduro. Some people call it the extreme, um, extreme enduro. Um, I think the name changes here to Extreme Enduro, but just for the sake of this episode, uh, we'll call it Hard Enduro. I think that's kind of the basic accepted name as far as this discipline goes for right now. But, um, you know, who knows, it might change. You, whatever you call it, you call it. Um, but um, some of you li- listening, you may not really, you might not be too familiar with Hard Enduro, especially if you're not uh, living in Europe, maybe if you're here in, you know, the United States. Might be something you kind of hear about, but really don't really know what it is yet. You just kind of maybe see some things on Instagram just through the racing world. So if you're not into hard enduro, um, you know, check the episode out as well. Um, you know, I encourage you to do so just because uh, got some interesting, you know, some backgrounds on, you know, on this discipline of riding we'll cover. And um, yeah, it's something cool to, to learn about and um you know, kind of explore the different worlds of dirt bike racing. So my goal for this episode is to help provide you some insight, whether you compete in this or not on basically what is hard enduro and why it's important to be physically prepared for these events and some guidelines that are going to go along with this as well. So if you race hard enduro and you're a com- competitor in this, maybe you do them as some one-off events. If you're like a GNCC guy and you do some hard enduros or Whatever the case may be, um, you know, we're going to go over some some guidelines for you. And for the people that aren't familiar with the sport, I'm going to give you some um, some background as well. Just kind of just have a better understanding because you have to understand the event to uh, to be able to properly execute it. So you got to know the rules to, to play by the rules. So for the background of Hard Enduro, um, you know, this is really popular in Europe. Um, I want to say it became the most popular there first. They've been doing this for a while. So those of you might be familiar with the Erzberg Rodeo. I think a lot of us as, you know, dirt bike fans, um, the Nitro Circus when they went to Erzberg with Travis Pastrana, I think that was kind of a lot of our first, um, you know, kind of exposure to this style of racing. And you kind of watched it and you're just, you know, some of us probably watched it and was <laughs> probably thought, I will never do that. That is the worst idea ever and on the other half of the people probably looked at it and were like man this is cool i want to do this event so um you know i think uh you know that was our first probably main exposure here in the states but uh yeah it's definitely taken off it's grown in europe it's really big events it's very cool um they're they're awesome to follow they have a lot of good coverage on, on them as well but, um, you know, the United States here, it's definitely been picking up the past couple of years um, really fast, especially in the amateur scene. There's a lot of amateur riders. There's a lot of big events now in, in the United States. Uh, the TKO is coming up, the Tennessee knockout, um, you know, a lot of them over kind of in our, close to where I'm from in Ohio in this area. You know, I mean, we're from Ohio. PA has events. Tough Like Roar is one in PA. That's uh, very popular. Um, some down in the Carolinas, there's a couple other, um, you know, different organizations that are putting these races on as well. 
and the American, I guess it's the American Extreme Enduro Series. Um, they have an East and a West Coast, so they have West Coast rounds as well. There's a couple in California, I believe. Um, not really sure. You can check out the schedule. I don't want to really butcher that, but, um, but like you know, as far as for myself being around it, just seeing the amount of uh, talent that's in like increasing it year to year, um, it's quite impressive. And um, you know, I think we this episode is important because. Um, I think Card Enduro is here to stay. I think it's its own little niche, and um, you know, so let's let's keep rolling with it. Um, I'm here for, I'm here to help people with it. So, uh, you know, I think it's something to to be excited about for our, our, our racing world. Um, so, like I said, it it is its own form of racing. Um, it's basically like an off road event, like a GNCC, or um, it's like a form of a hair scramble. But the idea of it is to be um, to make it as difficult as it kind of can possibly be. It's like a very miserable, um, I don't know if miserable is the right word, but some may look at it like that. It's like, you know, the, the, the bad sections of a hair scramble track, um, those would be like the normal sections of this type of race. Uh, there is some single trail just to get to like the hard sections, but basically, you know, it's going to be things where guys are off their bikes pushing themselves over you know big rock sections some of the really good guys might be just um doing their thing kind of hopping from obstacle to obstacle but it's a very slow paced race um as far especially when they get to the hard sections there's a lot of um game planning and and tactical things to where you'll see the riders lining their bikes up to hit a line and hopefully pop up over a rock or up a hill or you know maybe there's steep downhills all kinds of uh, really just crazy things. Basically, just the hardest things you can think of in an off-road event is the idea of this um, this style of racing. Hence, why it's called hard enduro or extreme enduro. Um, the tracks are usually long, and uh, I mean they could be like well over ten miles, fifteen miles. I think some of them are, and um, sometimes they race up to six hours. Like we'll have like a six-hour time limit, and you know within them six hours, you know, the, the leaders may come around in like four hours and they've only done like two laps. Um, so pretty crazy stuff. And I think one of the trickiest things, and I don't know, if, I mean, I don't race these events in particular, but you know, working with, um, my racer who does, I'll get to him in a second here. Um, you know, sometimes the, they vary in formats and like, I don't know if I like that or not, because sometimes they're just one day event. Sometimes there's two, sometimes there's like a prologue on, on one day. Sometimes they race them kind of like a, they do like moto scoring or sometimes it's just like one big race. So like every race is a little different, even in the same series, they will change it up track to track depending on, I guess who the promoter is or, or what they're doing for the land. But, um, yeah, it's always different. And, and honestly, I've, it's hard to prepare for. So I don't know if it's like kind of fits the theme or, you know, it could kind of make life difficult compared to if like, you know, you just have like that much more detail to prepare for versus just like, Hey, this is the event. This is the style we know what we're going to kind of get and let's just get ready for a hard race. So I don't know. Um, you know, you guys let me know what you think, uh, if you think that's cool or not. So, um, that kind of leads me into where my connection is with this whole hard enduro thing. Um, up to this point, I wasn't really too familiar in 2019. I should say I wasn't really too familiar with 
the hard enduro scene in the United States. I, I knew like of, uh, you know, they had enduro cross and everything like that, but I was more familiar with it from the European series, the, uh, the West series. I would kind of follow along with that and just kind of keep tabs and I'd watch some stuff on YouTube and, and just follow along and be really impressed with how they rode. And, um, basically long story short, um, Quinn Wenzel, you may be familiar with him if you follow his style of racing. Um, honestly, didn't even know of Quinn <laughs> up till 2019. And, um, you know, definitely live like we live in the same area. And, um, yeah, eventually just we met. And, you know, the only thing I told him was, uh, you know, the only downside I seen was that we didn't get to meet sooner in his career. Um, not that he's old, but um, Quinn's in his mid-20s right now. So I think we would have, he would have been like 24 when we met, but, um, yeah, very talented rider, very hard worker. Um, 2019, he was basically a privateer Husky rider kind of rode out of a shop and had some, you know, support through a bunch of, you know, uh, sponsors and things like that. In 2020, he was one of the riders of the first year team of factory Sherco. So he was part of that ride that, um, that deal last year during the COVID year. Uh, but this year he hopped over on the 2021. He's now the factory Riehu rider. Um, it's a brand popular, I think in Europe, but, um, you'll see it growing here probably more in the United States as well. Uh, he says he really likes the bike. So, um, you know, all is good as there. And, um, so Quinn, yeah, basically, you know, the talents really increased the past, you know, three years since working with him. But Quinn is without a doubt, a top 10 pro in hard enduro in America. Um, you know, he races right alongside with the best dudes that, that, that race here. Some, you know, most of them are from America, but you know, we have riders that come from Canada and other parts of the world to race these events here. And yeah, he's one of the best. He's one of the, the top 10 guys that you're going to see, um, you know, at these events. So if you were to go to Supercross and see the top 10 guys in that series, you know, that's essentially Quinn in the hard enduro series here in America. Um, he has raced the Erzberg in the Portugal races, um, the Portugal race in the West series. He did that in 2019. He stayed over there for a couple weeks to race that race. Those races, um, did fairly good, but just, uh, you know, a lot of didn't have his own bike with them. And, um, essentially just, uh, you know, a lot of just different factors being, you know, on his own kind of in Europe with like I think him and his mom went and uh, just trying to figure everything out. Just kind of probably didn't do as good as he wanted to, but still just very impressive with, um, you know, how he did in those events for what he had going on. Um, but yeah, Quinn, he's a very tough dude. You have to be tough and you have to be a little, um, you know. You can't be the normal dirt bike rider to want to go do these races. So, you know, he, he likes to work hard. He, he loves the sport. He has a trials background as well. Um, when he was younger, he raced motocross and GNCCs and kind of just, I don't, I don't know if I don't want to put words in his mouth, but not that he got bored with them, but, um, I think he kind of started getting into trials and kind of just, didn't really want to do fourth gear pinned in the woods and, and race motocross as much. And so the trials, um, bikes really started intriguing him and 
where he really says he likes the trials bikes is it really teaches you how like you have to know how to ride a motorcycle and use throttle and clutch control and balance and and all these little you know little details and what makes a dirt bike rider good you know you have to be able to use those as a trials bike so that's why you're going to see a lot of these pro rate um hard enduro riders have a very strong trials background as well hence um graham jarvis who I don't think he even rode a dirt bike till he was 30, but he dominated in trials events up till that point in his life. So they translate really well and they use a lot of trials skills in hard enduro. So, um, you know, so for him, he loves the tracks really hard, like harder, the better. If it's an easy track, he kind of is just like, you know, it's kind of calls it like a, a hair scramble, but, um, you know, he, uh, you know, harder, the better when it rains and it's slick you know that those are better conditions so as you can kind of see like that's the type of person you got to be to embrace these kind of races and you know you know that when they wave the flag it's going to be tough out there and it's going to be hard and hot usually and you know that's what you're signing up for it's no shock to um, reality once you get out there on the track so moving on um at this point like you know why do you need to train for hard enduro well, kind of as if you've been listening along, you know, it doesn't sound like the most fun event to do. Um, I mean, your definition of fun is it is what it is, but, you know, you better come in ready to go because if you don't, it's going to be a really rude awakening for you. Um, these events are made to break you like that's like that's the underlying objective, like, um you know, that's why they put time limits on these races because, you know, at some races, maybe only six to 10 of people, which are pretty much all pros are going to finish the actual race while like hundreds of riders could sign up. So pretty crazy. And, you know, like, um, that happens quite often at a lot of these events. It's not like an, an average hair scramble where you race for two hours and pretty much everybody finishes. Um, you know, most people won't finish the race. Um, just for some perspective of how tough these events are, Quinn Quinn told me that Ryan Sipes, he went on the record saying somewhere, and again, I don't want to butcher anybody's um, words here, so, you know, this is, I think, something what he said. Um, Ryan Sipes said that GNCC was way harder than Supercross and Motocross as far as, like, physical difficulty went. And then after he's done, a, like, after he's done a few hard enduro events, he says that they that the hard enduro events actually makes GNCC events feel easy to him. Um, so that's a guy who's competed at the top level of many different disciplines in this uh, in dirt bike racing. So you know, for him, like he has some credentials to kind of say what's hard and, and what's harder. <laughs> so um, that's just um, you know a little little tidbit for you. So again, this is why you need to be training for hard enduro, especially off the bike. Um, you need to be physically ready to go. And, um, you know, these races, they live up to their name. They, um, they're meant to be tough. They're meant to break you. And, you know, you're going to be tired. You will get tired. You're going to be tired. So you have to be uncomfortable um, with that. Like you have to be, you know, not that every training session you have to suffer. That's not what I'm saying. But you have to make sure your body is ready, is prepared for these events because, um, you will be tested. There's a lot of bottlenecks. So if you've ever raced like a, uh, a normal hair scramble event and you encounter a bottleneck, it can be 
quite hectic where bikes are all over, everybody's stuck, you get off, you have to push your bike up a hill or something. Uh, that can be quite exhaustive. So these races, you know, majority of the race is something similar to that. So it's basically like just, I don't want to say it didn't like, it's not a six hour races of one bottleneck, but um, you're going to encounter a lot of them or things that are going to kind of simulate that as well. So that's why you need to have um, aerobic endurance, mainly to recover from these bottlenecks. And then you also need it for the reality of, you know, you're going to be on the track for a really long time. It's not a two hour hair scramble or a three hour GNCC or um, I don't know how long the works races are now. They two one hour motos. But regardless, you probably are going to be on the track for just, let's just say, on average, four hours at a time. Um, besides the fact of maybe the day before, you also have, um, you know, qualifying races that are probably way shorter, but they might be like an hour or two. So by the time the weekend's done, you may be stacked up with like six to eight hours on the track. That's a lot of riding. And it's a lot of racing. Um, and then just also another reason why you're going to want to be physically prepared. Um, Quinn has told me after numerous races that on the last lap or like the last part of the race, he's seen some of his competition like off the side of the track and inside like laying in riverbeds just trying to cool off because they're overheated or just, you know, these guys will just have to pull off. And these are the best racers. Like this is the top 10 guys and they, they get tired. It's like, you know, you kind of joke like if you're in the hair scramble scene, like you know, there's certain guys that are beginners that in a hair scramble, they have to pull off and just rest. And you'll see them in the woods here and there. And, you know, you just kind of like know like, hey, like it's kind of that's like a beginner thing. And there's like no shame in it. But, you know, you, you eventually want to kind of get out of that phase. But that's just part of the game in hard endure. Like it happens sometimes like, uh you know, my goal for Quinn is that he never has to encounter that and that he can maintain his riding form as best as possible for the whole time he's on the track because I know he's going to get tired. I know it's going to be hot. I know it's going to just basically suck for him. So the reality is you don't train to eliminate all that so that the race is easy because it's never going to be easy just by the nature of the event. And then if the event's easy, it means you're not trying hard enough anyway. So if you're trying hard in a very, in a hard enduro race, you will get tired. Um, you know, everybody from Cody Webb down to the last place guy will be tired from a hard enduro event. So the main, the main thing is why you want to be prepared is of, of course, injury prevention is, should always be a number one priority. Two is going to be to maintain, um, technical skills on the bike as best as possible for the whole time you were out there on the track and three uh, for recovery for the next race so that whether it's a two-day event you can recover to the next day it doesn't take as much out of you and two if you have uh, races back-to-back -back weekends it may take you you know if you're out of shape it may take you up to seven to 14 days to recover from one event um, so the better more well-conditioned you are you're in it's going to cut down on that recovery time after the race. Lastly, let's talk about some guidelines for hard enduro training. Um, first things first, the first guideline, I have three guidelines, but the first one is, um, and this is out of my hands this is out of my realm, but it's just important for this goes hand in hand with the physical preparation is your technical skills. 
uh, you really, I encourage you to learn how to ride hard enduro and then practice it often. Uh, get with someone that knows it, whether it's a rider who does some coaching. I know Quinn does some coaching um, himself. So if you're interested, look up, uh, check Quinn out or hit him up on Instagram. Ask him when is, if he has any classes going on. And uh, also, it wouldn't be a bad idea to learn some trials, least skills as well. If you can get on a trials bike would be awesome. Um, you know, these guys, they're all they're all cool guys. I've met a um, couple of them. And, you know, it's a very down-to-earth crowd and... There's a, you know, a lot of these racers, they love hard enduro and they love helping people get involved in it. So, um, I wouldn't hesitate if it sounds some of interest of you reach out to, to, um, you know, to one of the top racers and I'm sure they'll at least point you in the right direction. And why that's important, because no matter how good a shape you're in, if you go out on a hard enduro track or an event and you do not know how to ride this stuff, I don't care what your VO two max is or how much you can bench press, you will, like you're just gonna you will gas out and you'll be so inefficiently um so inefficient with your energy that it doesn't matter what you can do off the bike um it's just it's not gonna go very well so that's why i always say you know learn the sport first and especially this sport because it's very highly technical if you don't have these technical skills at least you know somewhat confident um it's gonna make for a very very long day and you'll probably never want to do it again (laughs) um so moving on to point number two, basically when it comes to training for, um, you know, the physical, um, physical abilities for hard enduro is really just follow a lot of the same stuff I've been promoting all along on this, uh, on this channel. So again, um, a lot of kind of guidelines, you know, so much of this training stuff is really like a, a spectrum. It's a sliding scale. You know, you kind of just adjust things back and forth here and there all given off a ton of just different, you know, variables and parameters, but all in all, you really just want to train again for maximal strength. You want to train to be strong. So again, a lot of the barbell lifts are going to come into play. Um, you know, a lot of these racers, especially the top racers are all, you know, on average, I would say at least six foot tall. A lot of them are around 200 pounds. I mean, these are bigger guys because they need to manhandle their bikes. So the more maximal strength you can have, not muscle size, but just strengthen the muscles. Um, you know, it's going to help you just when in the moments where you need to manhandle your bike um, in a tough spot, um, that strength is going to shine to help you do so. Whether you're picking your bike up or pushing it up something, uh, that strength can come in play. And again, the stronger you are, the, like the less when you do have to use your strength, um, you know, the less relatively like the less relative strength you're going to need because it's going to just feel easier to you compared to if you have lower strength levels. Um, Use assistance exercise to build up weak areas and to um, aid in injury prevention as well. So some areas that are, you know, key to kind of look at to um, build up, you know, just as weak areas, but again, for lower um, to reduce injury prevention is going to be your shoulders um, your upper back, your lower back health, and your hips. Um, so these are just critical areas that you want to make sure are in check. Like you don't want them to be weak in any any real capacity, especially your hips and low back. Um, that take those take a take takes a beating more so in hard enduro than in other disciplines of racing as well. Um, so have those in check. You know, add those exercises in. Make sure they're healthy. 
Um, you can use the shock methods that we've talked about before to help absorb force, uh, forces. Um, you know, again, the, the events are lower speeds, but there's still a large shock component to while you're going over obstacles or you're launching up rocks, logs, big hills. Like, there's still a lot going on, especially, too, because the suspension on these bikes are very soft. So when you do have hard hits, it's going to basically shock into your body. So you could definitely add in some shock training. You don't have to go crazy with it, but a little bit's going to go a long way. And then again, conditioning. Again, this is aerobic system training you're on, you want to look at. Um, even if the race looks slow to you, the heart rate's still average between 175 to 180. Um, majority of the time, you know, kind of just hangs up there and spikes kind of spikes off the start and just kind of hangs there for however long the race is. And then, you know, you got to come down off of that. But again, you know, physiologically, you're not really at that 170, 180. You know, you're probably closer in the, you know, 145 to 160 range, just give or take. Um, again, the, the added element of racing and adrenaline is what causes that additional spike to your heart rate. Um, so, yeah, very heavily aerobic as well. And again, um, you know, when the heart rate starts to spike, you want to be able to bring it back down. And having a good aerobic system, um, having strength in your heart, having a strong heart will help bring your heart rate back down as well. Um, and then the third, um, the third guideline we have for heart enduro is you heavily have to account for recovery. Um, more in, in this, this discipline of racing than I would maybe argue in any other racing series. Um, you know, during the race, there's three different phases we're going to talk about recovery. And then, you know, the first one's going to be during the race, you want to consume fluids, basically the whole race is the, the is basically the goal. You know, every 15 minutes you should be sipping from your hydration pack at least. Um, and then take as many grab and goes as you can. Um, like the grab and go bottles where, you know, you have like a pit crew and you take a bottle and suck that down, take as many of those as you can. Basically the hotter the vent is, the more you sweat, the more you're going to need to replace your fluids. Uh, the fluid should be consisting of water, sodium, sugar and then you can add potassium in there as well um some you know sometimes caffeine is going to come into play it will be helpful as well just for like um basically as like a mental like stimulation to help you like focus um you know so a lot of just these different types of um drinks and powders and hydration powders will have uh, a lot of this stuff in it kind of just use one that works best for you something that you enjoy the taste and, and stomach well will be helpful uh, for the longer races you're going to want to consume some sort of foods their calories as well just to keep energy coming in you usually want to do this through like a puree food or like different types of gels um, again easy foods that are going to be easy to digest you're not going to be able to like pull over and, and one for time you're not gonna be able to pull over and eat you know chicken and rice or like a burrito or something but if you were to like, you know, your body's working too hard that we're not going to be able to, to digest that. So that's where puree and gel foods are going to come into play as well. But again, these foods should mostly be through carbohydrates, um, a little bit of protein, a little bit of fats may be okay, but you know, you're going to want that quick energy from carbohydrates for sure. Uh, pre-race because these events are so hard, you, 
you should definitely allow for at least 72 hours to taper to come into as close as 100% readiness as possible should be the goal. Um, you know, you shouldn't be fatigued from riding and training through the week coming into the race. Uh, you know, you should be as fresh as possible because again, you need to be, you need to be ready to go for one of the hardest races you're going to do. And, um, you know, so now's not a time to be pushing training to the last second to cut off and, you know, just take a day to chill out and then race, you know, you want to taper that down to come in as fresh as you can post-race. Uh, you, again, you're going to need to at least allow for another 72 hours to recover. And especially like the longer the events, whether it's a long race or it's like a two day race, um, you know, hotter events, tougher events, you know, you're going to need to account for, for more than 72 hours. Um, when working with Quinn, uh, we sometimes, depending on how hard the race is, we may not train hard until like the Thursday after a race. Like if he races on Sunday, we may not have like an actual hard training session until Thursday. And that's just to allow for all of his, basically his body systems to heal and recover from the race. Cause there's a lot going on. Um, you're, when you're stress your body like this from one of these events. So you have to give it time to recover and, you know, time and recovery methods, um, come into play. So, um, you know, you can't rush right back into training. So with that, cause there's a pre-race, you have to allow for time to get, you know, to to allow for your readiness to improve there's a, a time gap there where it takes away from hard training and then there's a time gap after the race where it could take anywhere from two to four to five days till you start feeling good again maybe longer in some cases like i said earlier um, so with that that shortens the amount of time you have in order to practice and train so again this is where you want to be smart with your training you want to train hard in the windows uh, to get ready, but then you have to be able to back it off when you need to. Um, so all in all, that's kind of what I got for you guys today. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed this. Hopefully if you, if you do hard enduro training, hopefully you learned something from this and, um, you know, something you can add to what you're doing already. Um, if you've never done hard enduro and you made it to the end here, hopefully you found it pretty interesting. Hopefully you maybe found some new, um, form of respect for these types of racing and maybe check out some some more of these events um, maybe you'll want to do one one day who knows and come back to this episode and kind of redial in on you know some of these guidelines and things like that so uh, hopefully you enjoyed this one um, got some more stuff coming up here in the future here in probably another few weeks i'll have another episode ready uh, but in the meantime just if you need anything you can go to my website, jytraining.com. Uh, hit me up on Instagram. You can just send me a message if you need anything. And, uh, yeah, we'll uh, talk later.